Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis. I'm a marriage and family therapist and licensed professional counselor trained in trauma and addiction. The Asking Why podcast is for anyone on a journey of healing and restoration. If you are searching for answers to life's questions and want to learn more about root causes from a psychological and theological mix, this show is for you. In this podcast, myself and a co-host from Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness will interview guests on a wide range of topics in order to get down to the heart of the problems facing our world and understand why things happen and how to change the world and ourselves for the better. Want to learn more tips and tricks to living a healthy lifestyle? Visit us at Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to meet our staff or book a speaker, go to clintdaviscounseling.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe today. Putman Restoration is a proud sponsor of the Asking Why podcast. Putman Restoration specializes in commercial disaster services, including water damage, fire, smoke, mold, and storm. Their goal and desire is to get your properties up and running as soon as possible after disaster strikes. Hospitals, schools, hotels, and large municipal buildings, malls, churches, and large commercial properties are their specialty. Manage properties nationwide? No problem. Putman Restoration services their clients nationwide. They are strategically partnered with elite restoration companies throughout the U.S. and Canada, giving their clients resources during disasters where normal companies would be tapped out. Trust the professionals at Putman Restoration when disaster strikes. Visit them online at www.putmanrestoration.com or give them a call at 318-453-5029. All right. Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis. Um... It's just me today, um, no guest, and so we're going to talk about a few things that have been on my mind, a couple that uh, actually just came up in session this morning, and so it just reminded me, man, this would be something I think uh, many people are dealing with and struggling through and trying to understand, and so I'm going to try to unpack two words that we use a lot that I think um, we might not know what we're talking about, or at least I didn't until I got in therapy and um, really got in the Word, um, and the Holy Spirit really kind of revealed these things. So one is forgiveness, and the other is love. Um, so I'll start with forgiveness. Uh, I think there's been a lot of toxic um, ideas about forgiveness in the world, in the church, um, and a lot of times I think we're confused, or at least I see clients being confused with how to work that out, what that looks like. Um, Dr. Terry Hargrave has a really good book on forgiveness and families. And so a lot of his work goes into this thought process um, and he's adapted it and come up with new versions and all kinds of things. But um, I'll give you the the skinny today. Um, so there's this idea, right, that Jesus says we are to forgive seven times, 70 times. And for the secular person, that sounds insane. Like, why would we forgive someone if they keep hurting us and they keep, if they keep doing things that uh, they shouldn't do, um, why would we forgive them? And I think that's because we think forget- forgiving means forgetting, meaning that if we forgive someone, um, that's it. You just you let it go, and you don't ask them to do anything different. Like, like it's just this kind of internal thing where you're like, oh, you hit me in the face. I forgive you because I love Jesus, and so therefore you know, that's it. I just have to do that. Um, and I don't think that's the point. I think the point of forgiveness is for us, but it's also, um, what can happen when we forgive. And so there are two, um, camps or two parts of forgiveness. There's salvage and then there's restoration. So salvage is, um, when we 
look at our past and look at things that have happened to us or look at things that have currently happened. And we take the time and the energy to really um, parse through and dive into our pain, our feelings, our experience. And we acknowledge how we've been hurt, who hurt us, what effects that had on our lives, what effects that had on our inner child and our development. We really have to understand deeply um, how we were damaged and how we were hurt to start forgiving. We, we can't just randomly say, oh, I forgive them, and we haven't even processed out the damage that it's done. Because what happens is, is we, we say it in our, out of our mouths because we think we're supposed to, but we don't really feel it in our hearts. And so, again, it's just a behavior change. It's, oh, I forgive you, but I haven't really. And so I'm going to continue to hold resentment and be frustrated and be afraid and be um, ashamed anytime I interact with you. And for- forgiveness is supposed to bring, bring freedom. And so if you, you've forgiven somebody, um, there should be some freedom there. Now, you may have to forgive them over and over and over again, and that's okay. It's part of the process. Um, but it's ultimately the Holy Spirit in you letting that go because you understand the story. And so if we don't do the work ourselves of understanding how we were hurt, we can't let it go. I'll, I'll give you a prime example. I had tons of clients who have had sexual abuse, um, abuse when they were children, myself included, and never told anybody. The first time they've told someone or processed it has been in my office. And so we've had to sit and talk about why did that happen? Um, what happened? What are the pieces of that that um, you remember? And a lot of people blame themselves. They they wish they would have done something different. They wish they would have told somebody. They tried to tell somebody. There's all this nuance that goes into it. But they've never, ever processed it. And so how can they have forgiven the person who did that if they've never, ever really acknowledged the damage that it's done or been aware of the damage that's done? And so the first step of that salvage part, and I like that it's called salvage because it's like, you know, things have gotten messed up and we're trying to save some of it. We're trying to, we're trying to make sure that this stuff doesn't uh, do damage for the rest of our lives. So we're trying to salvage what we have left, the time that we have left on this earth for our own lives and for the person that hurt us. Because the reality of, is that the other person, if they hurt you, then they're a mess too. And they have these same hurts and hangups and issues and unforgiveness in their heart. And so that's, that's the first part of salvage is acknowledging what's happened, dealing with it. And so you can do that in therapy. You can do that with a friend. You can do that with a spouse. You, I think you can do it in a journal. Ultimately, I would hope for people to sit in relationship with people and share and process and find healing that way. But even if it starts with, hey, I need to just write down this thing. I need to write down what happened in detail and process that and, and look at what my experience was. <clears throat> but so many people, because they have... Um, they were children when things happened or younger and they didn't have community. They've been, you know, fed lies about that experience, about that situation. And they've grown up believing things that aren't true. And so you can write in a journal, but then you don't have any voices to speak against it. And you don't have anybody to come alongside you and say, no, that shouldn't have happened. Or this is what should have happened. Or here's what happened. And here's what's normal and healthy and all those things. So that's the first, first part of forgiveness is, is doing the salvage work of understanding what's happened to you, how it affected you. Because if you if you know that, you can do the second part. And the, the second part is hard for people. So I'll give you an example. Uh, my dad and I, and dad, if you're listening, what's up? Um, you know, we had a rough child, childhood growing up. He, 
he grew up in a family that had struggles and issues and that affected the way he parented. He had me very young, you know, 21, um, 22 years old. He had gotten out of the military. Um, now when I'm growing up, I don't know any of this. I have no clue. Um, any of his life story, any of his past traumas, any of his skills, any of his abilities. And so when you're in high schooler and you're a young adult, you just are in pain and mad at the things he did or didn't do. And you blame him for everything. You don't even really know what you should have gotten or what you could have gotten, but you're mad about it and you're hurt and rightly so, right? You, you have, you have a right to be hurt and to be frustrated and desire more. God has put in us, um, the knowledge that Eden was a thing and that heaven is coming. And so when things aren't Eden and they're not heaven and they're not the kingdom, they should stir in us pain and, and suffering and grief and loss, and, and it should point us towards the hope that we have in eternity, eternity with God, where there is peace and there is no more pain. But you don't know that, and so you're a kid, you're struggling. So I spent most of my life being frustrated with him, and, and as I went through the process of... Um, of recognizing that and going to therapy and meeting with pastors and being honest about experiences I had as a child um, with my dad, with my mom, with different people. um, People told me, okay, this was normal. This shouldn't have happened. Hey, maybe you see this a little differently. And then as things developed, I learned new things about my parents and new things about their lives. And I started to um, see that maybe everything that I saw wasn't what I thought it was, which is, got to happen first because you've got to acknowledge that you were a victim at some point. You're a victim of life, of circumstances. As a kid, you're a victim because you didn't deserve it. You didn't want it. You didn't choose it. But because of the fall and sin and brokenness in other people, we suffer. And so we have to acknowledge that victimhood. We have to say, yeah, this shouldn't have happened. This was not God's design. He did not want me to be abused. He did not want me to be abandoned. He did not want me to be neglected. Whatever the thing is, is your thing. He didn't want me to be exposed to pornography. He didn't want me to you know, live in a single-parent household. He didn't want me to be exposed to drugs and alcohol early on. I mean, these are all things that people have experienced, not me specifically. But we've got to acknowledge that as children, we weren't supposed to be exposed to those things. And those things have huge impacts. Right? We talk about trauma all the time and how trauma is measured wrong. It's measured typically by worse things. And so in order to survive and and function, we tend to minimize our own pain and say, oh, it wasn't that bad. Well, it's not about measuring it against other things. It's about measuring it against what God intended. And so once you do that, once you spend some time in that stage, then you can move into this next stage, which is putting yourself in the other person's shoes. Right? And you can't do that until you acknowledge your own stuff because you just don't want to. You want to be heard and validated and seen and understood and you want your story to make sense and it doesn't. And so you can't empathize. You can't put yourself in your, your parents' shoes or your spouse's shoes or your kids' shoes. You just have judgment and criticism and you have a belief that you would never do what they did to you. You know, I used to think that. I used to, when I became a parent, you know, a lot of us go, I'll never be my dad or I'll never do these things or I'll never be my mom or I'll never do these things they did until you do them or some variation of them. But as I grew older and started to do the second step of putting myself in my parents' shoes or my dad's shoes specifically, I started to understand like, man, when I was 20, I was just getting back from Afghanistan. If I would have had a child, I would have been a horrible father. 
And I started to look at the things my dad did awesome and the ways that he, he taught me. And he came up this last weekend and we talked about some of this and just how he did the best he could with what he had. And I truly know and believe that. And so I put myself in his shoes and I go, okay, if I would have been him, I would have done the same thing. And that's so freeing, right? That's so freeing to be able to, the Holy Spirit to give you the humility to, to be able to have empathy and grace with somebody who for so many years you thought hurt you and did hurt you. Now, that's the, that's the salvage part. So I want, I, want to hear you, I want you to hear me say, with my dad, he has reconciled and taken responsibility and explained things, and I've apologized and taken responsibility for my own selfishness and ego when I was a kid and the things I did to hurt him, and we've continually worked that stuff out, and it, it's a miracle, the relationship we have now, compared to just five years ago even, but definitely 15, 20 Another thing about um, doing the understanding piece and putting ourselves in their shoes that we have to, especially with parents, is um, is we have to realize, like, as we sit right now in 2022, you know, a lot of times I, I used to think, like, man, because uh, I've gotten therapy, right? I got into therapy and, and started working at that in 19, and, and I always thought, man, uh, another thing my dad and I were talking about this weekend was, like, man, what he could have done with his life had he gotten help sooner. And so we, I was thinking back on that. It's like, okay, so... He had me at 21. Um, again, I'm terrible at math. So they divorced when I was eight. You know, this in the late 80s. What was he supposed to do? Right? If you're my age, if you're 40 or 50 or 60 and you're mad at your parents or you haven't let go of some things or whatever you need to do in forgiveness, um, what were they supposed to do? There weren't trauma therapists. Like, we literally didn't even know what PTSD was until 1984. So I was two years old when, you know, the 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 knowledge that PTSD was in the DSM was came about. I mean, how many years after that has it taken for the average therapist to even be trained in trauma? I mean, most therapists today aren't even trained in trauma. And so the recovery on their own, our parents would have had to, to just magically poof happened. Can't happen outside of community. Can't happen outside of church. Can't happen outside of um, good therapy and good help and good support when they're all trying to recover from their parents' trauma and, and they're in survival mode and they're just trying to make sure we have food on the table and a roof over our head. I'm not saying that's enough and that's all that kids need at all. Again, we honor our pain and our suffering and what it was supposed to be and what it wasn't. But we have to remember that they couldn't just call in 1986 or 1992 or 1974, you know, a Clint Davis counseling or a trauma center or whatever to get good Christian trauma therapy to sit down and go, Hey, listen, my parents hurt me and this happened to me and I was experienced this. So let's do some EMDR. Let's do some TFBT. Let's do, do some equine therapy and help my brain heal. And, you know, because I don't want to abuse my children and I want to be emotionally available and I want to stay connected. And, you know, I don't want to lose my temper and, you know, all these things that happened that traumatized us so much. They didn't have the support and the ability to do that like we do. And so, again, it's another thing to just remind ourselves and, and just focus more on the grace that God has for us, that there's timing and that we live in a world and a time in which we can reach out and get help. And so I just ask you guys to get help because don't squander the opportunities we have to find healing, to stop passing down toxic things to our kids, to our community, to our families, to our, our spouses. And as we do that part, we we're able to put ourselves in their shoes um, and empathize even more with them, which again, points us to freedom. And so 
what I don't want you to hear me say is forgiveness is forgetting. It is forgetting in the sense that once you do this, the salvage part, you want to let it go. But it's not forgetting in the sense that you, you don't then have boundaries to set. And that's where the part of restoration comes in. Um, that part of forgiveness. When you, when you have sat in the victim seat and owned your suffering and owned your experience, you've, you know what you need and you've gotten it and you're able to then put yourself in the other person's shoes and understand their story and understand why they did what they did. You start to find some freedom. You start to realize that, man, our parents or people are just a product of their environment and their story and their experience. And that everybody's different. Everybody has different things that happen. And, and so you start to realize, like, if you were them, you might have done the same thing. Instead of this mentality that I would never do that. And it's like, of course you would never do it. You're not them. You didn't have their parents. You didn't have their genetics. You didn't have their experience. You didn't have their support group. So you don't know what you would have done if it happened. We can, we can look at the most heinous things in the world, Hitler, and we can say, I would never turn out like that. What a monster. But if Hitler's sitting on my couch and he's in therapy for what he did, if he's meeting with a pastor to confess and repent and he tells his story, what I find is that it's going to make perfect sense why he did what he did. It's going to make perfect sense why he thought the way he thought and what he believed about and the coping skills that he has. It's not okay. It's a monstrosity, right? And, and some people are so broken mentally and emotionally that they do things that are outside of good and, and bad, and they're just evil. But it still comes from a story. It still comes from a biological mechanism of brokenness and despair over generations that lead to these catastrophic events with people who just do the worst of what humanity does. I teach a uh, class at for a human trafficking conference um, on stopping the demand of buying prostitutes. And, um, and the whole conference we have it every year is, is about like catching and stopping pimps and, and Johns and, and traffickers. And my portion is to come in and teach um, what creates a trafficker or what creates a pimp. And so in the beginning, I show a picture of these two babies and then I show a picture right after it of two mug shots. And I say, these are the same people because we all start out right as these little babies that are cute and innocent, right? And then life happens and that forever shapes how that baby and who that baby turns out to be. And if we have the position that because we've never dealt with our pain, and we're angry and bitter and triggered and traumatized, if we have the position that we're better than other people morally or superior to other people or we're capable of doing things on our own without ever hurting anybody, then we're, we're kind of missing the point and we're not living a true realistic life and we can't forgive. We can't really forgive other people because we're so caught in our own pain that it's causing pride and ego in ways that interfere with our freedom. The other people might not even know you're mad at them. They're living life and doing their thing and... We're over here ticked off, dreaming about it, mad about it, treating other people poorly because we're mad at that person, avoiding healthy relationships, minimizing things. But it comes out in millions of ways. So once we do that salvage work, we recognize that we're a victim and what's happened. We've put ourselves in that other person's shoes and we've really gotten to a good foundation of, wow, but for the grace of God, I could have done the same thing. 
and have hurt other people in some ways. Maybe not as monstrous as they are. Maybe not as bad as Hitler. Maybe not as bad as somebody else. But man, that's only because I didn't grow up in their situation. I didn't grow up in their family. I didn't get abused or abandoned or beaten in the way that they did. And so it's turned out differently for me by the grace of God. But man, if I was honest with myself, we'd, we'd say it, but I'm capable of it. And I'm so thankful that I had situations in my life and privileges in my life that allowed me not to do that. I'm not morally superior to anyone. I'm not above it. But I thank God that I didn't end up turning out that way. And I have the ability to overcome or the skills to overcome or the awareness or support to overcome. And that's when we can start to really let go. And if you're out there and you're listening and this sounds hard, it is. And it doesn't happen overnight. I've been in therapy personally for uh, since 2001. So however many years that is. 21, 22. Um, I'm a counselor, not a mathematician, that's for sure. Um, it's it's a lot of work to forgive and to move and to understand and to put get yourself out of the victim seat. Because, man, we don't want to stay there. We can acknowledge that we're a victim, but we do not want to stay a victim. Because a victim just leads to blaming and shaming and toxicity forever we want people to acknowledge that they were a victim and move out of that into restoration and whether that's internal or external depends on the circumstance so if we want to restore the next step is we have to take all that we've learned and all that we've processed and the space that we're in and we have to bring it to that person and say hey you hurt me and you hurt me this way these things were not okay and you don't do it from an angry place. You do it from a place of understanding. And if you can't understand, if you haven't been able to get yourself to a place of empathy and understanding, then you better be ready to have a conversation with someone and, and listen to their perspective and be ready to learn and hear why they hurt you. Or maybe that it wasn't as intentional as you think, or maybe they were in a bad season, or maybe they're not ready to forgive or even take responsibility. And that's going to determine the restoration ability. So forgiveness salvages is your responsibility, is our responsibility, and restoration is a mix of our responsibility and the other person because we can't restore a relationship with someone who has not taken responsibility, who hasn't done anything different, who hasn't acknowledged that what they did was wrong and hurt us. So they can say, I didn't intend, intend to do it, but man, they have to say, okay, I didn't intend to do it, but now I see the pain it caused you, and for that I'm very sorry. And the last part is they have to say, and here's what I'll do to make sure that never happens again. Or it's very unlikely that it ever happens again, whatever that situation is. And so in relationships, we need both. We need salvage and we need restoration. But forgiveness is the act of us acknowledging our pain, putting ourselves in their shoes and, and forgiving them and letting it go because we know we're capable of sin and brokenness as well. And but for the grace of God, we could be or would be them. And I know that there are people listening to this and they are got some really heavy pain. And I got it too. Listen, I've had sexual abuse. I've had trauma. I've been to war. I've been physically threatened and assaulted. And I could go down the list. And by the grace of God, I've been able to work through therapy and, and try to forgive those things, been betrayed, been lied about, whatever you want to say. We A lot of us have been through a lot of this stuff. Most therapists that are good therapists have been through life, and life is a full bag of all those things. 
nobody's trauma is better or worse and we all have a, a mess of it. But when you do the work and you dive in, you realize, man, there's freedom in letting go and forgiving. But it's not a, it's not a handcuff. It's not, oh, I forgave. And so now I'm handcuffed to this relationship. I have to go back, you know, let's say it is your dad or it's your mom or it's an abuser. That doesn't mean you have to go be their friend and be in a relationship with them just because you forgave them. You might not even have to go to them and tell them, you know, part of the 12 steps is making amends, but sometimes that's just an internal issue, especially if it's going to harm them or others and yourself. So restoration, right? Being back in relationship with somebody, it has requirements and reciprocation on both sides. So when we set a boundary with a family member and we say, Hey, listen, you, you yell at my kids or you drink around my kids or you don't show up on time or you say you're going to come and you don't come. We have to acknowledge why that hurts, what it makes us feel, what it makes us think. And then we have to put ourselves in their shoes and say, I wonder why they're late all the time. Or I wonder why they always yell. Or I wonder why they don't listen when I talk. And we have to figure that out. We have to know their story. We have to know their trauma. We have to know some of what they've been through in life and, and assume or guess or be told and once we do, the picture starts to make sense and we start to realize, oh, it's not as personal as it feels in many cases. In some cases, it is personal. In some cases, they intentionally tried to hurt you because of their trauma and their pain. And that's another story, right? But we have to then go to them and say, hey, listen, I want to be in a relationship with you. I want to forgive you. I want to move forward. I feel, I feel like we can find safety here but I'm going to need you to listen to what happened and what I, what I, what uh, my interpretation of it. And I need you to tell me your interpretation of it. And we need to meet, meet in the middle or figure it out and give them the opportunity to make, to repent, to make amends, to apologize. And if they do, and they start to say, Hey, listen, I see that I hurt you. I see that this hurt you, whether I intended it or not, or whether it was, on purpose or not, I'm really sorry it made you feel that way. And here's the things I'll do to make sure that doesn't happen again. And then over time, you start to build trust back. And they they show you through their actions and through their behaviors and their words that they are safe. And they're not going to hurt you or harm you in the same way ever again. Or if they do, they're going to pay attention to it very clearly and address it immediately, depending on the level of hurt. And for me, that's the forgiveness part that we learn to do that in relationship with other people. We have therapists and pastors and friends we can go to and go, okay, hey, I'm still not sitting right with this and I feel unsafe and I don't want to um, to do this in the wrong way. I don't want to put myself in an unsafe situation. I don't want to put myself in a damaging situation. But man, I'm really eaten up internally with anger and resentment and fear because I haven't forgiven him or her. Will you help me? Will you walk alongside me? Will you keep me accountable to doing this for the right reasons and going through it slowly and appropriately so that hopefully restoration is at the end. Instead of saying we forgive, oh yeah, 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 it's fine, I forgive you, I'm over it, and then we really don't. Or thinking that, man, I can never restore this relationship because it's impossible for me to forgive. It's it's impossible for me to see that behavior and and let it go. But you can, because Jesus tells you you can. 
because of the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us, we as Christians can forgive. It's not us forgiving. It's the, the grace of God that has been given to us that we can give to others. Which, again, doesn't mean being in relationship. I mean, even Jesus with the Pharisees wasn't buddy-buddy. Right? Most of the people he hung out with were sinners and tax collectors and, and prostitutes and poor, impoverished, and all the things that we as a society sometimes see as negative or whatever. And when, when in reality, we're all on the equal playing field to Jesus. We're all sinners saved by grace. It doesn't matter what our external selves look like. Our internal selves are capable of so many things, and he needed to come and save us. And so we've got to find space in our heart for that sort of thing. We've got to realize that we can forgive and let go and that doesn't mean staying in damaging, abusive relationships. But restoration can happen. He says forgive seven times 70 because we have to keep working at it. Or we keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it internally. He doesn't say trust seven times 70, which I think is interesting. Right? Because he doesn't tell us to trust everybody. He says put your trust not in man but in me and my goodness, and my ability to work things out for you. My word, which doesn't return void. So when we're confessing sins to one another, or we're forgiving other people, or we're in the process of recovering from trauma, we have to trust Him. We forgive others and trust Him with what our obedience and what our forgiveness will, will lead to. And it may lead to full restoration, and it may lead to freedom in our hearts but they don't have to happen both our responsibility is to to trust god and to be free of our anger and our guilt and our resentment and the attacks that satan has on us and the lies that he tells us about those circumstances and that's not an easy task and it doesn't happen quickly so if you're out there and you're hearing this and you're like yeah no way i get it I get that we don't want to forgive something that's heinous as abuse. We don't want to forgive a spouse for violating or lying or betraying us. We don't want to forgive a kid for their disrespect and their unappreciation and their lack of understanding. We don't want to forgive a parent for not being a good parent, for neglecting us or not telling us they loved us or abusing us or abandoning us or whatever they've done. And I think we don't want to because we think that that means we have to fully restore the relationship and we have to continue to be in unsafe situations. And it doesn't mean that. It means what we talked about today. It means forgiving in a way that leads to freedom for you, that allows the Holy Spirit to not be quenched in your own life because of arrogance and pride, that heals your brain from being in fight or flight and hypervigilant and constantly on watch and constantly destroying other relationships and self-sabotaging and living chained down because you're thinking that God's not safe, other people aren't safe, and you're unworthy or you're broken or you're uniquely messed up or wounded. And so much of that comes back down to unforgiveness and what unforgiveness really looks like in relationships, which is why I'm trying to parse out today. We talk about forgiveness all the time, but I don't know how much we actually spend time talking about how that, what that looks like in a practical way. And so I'm not saying it's easy, like I said, but 
It's what we're called to do, and it leads to freedom. So I hope today helps. I hope that this this idea of freedom, um, it, it's what love is. It's a selfless gift to other people, even when they don't deserve it. It's what grace is. So I said in the beginning we're going to talk about forgiveness and love, but I'm going to save love for next week or another episode because i got a lot more I want to say about that, and I don't want to go over. Um, I appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate you guys following and sharing. I've gotten so much feedback um, this year on the podcast and uh, what people are getting out of it and how they're bringing it to therapy and um, bringing it to their family and sending it to other people to listen. And it just floors me. You know, it's, it's amazing that um, anybody wants to listen to me talk about anything. It surprises me every day. So I'm thankful that you guys um, listen. I'm humbled that you do. I hope to keep putting out more content and uh, continuing to, you know, just talk about the things that I'm seeing in my office the things that real people are dealing with on a real basis, regardless of socioeconomic status, regardless of their denomination, regardless of their gender or whatever. These are the things we're dealing with. And, and um, I was met a pastor for lunch just a minute ago and we were talking about just listening to sermons and leaving thinking, okay, now what? So now what is for you this week, write it down, forgiveness, salvage, restoration, write some columns, I'm the victim. I need to be, I need to recognize my victimhood here. I need to, um, put myself in this person's shoes. What, who can I make amends with that I need to, that I feel safe enough to do that with what relationships can be restored and which ones can't. And what responsibility do I have to, to take in this situation? Because that's what's going to lead to freedom. I hope you guys have a great week. Um, if you have any, you need just email me at clintdaviscounseling at gmail.com like and subscribe our podcast and follow us on facebook and instagram god bless you and have a good week